Let's take a moment to pray. Father God, we thank you today for the precious gift of motherhood, for the joy and the honour it is to have little ones and for some of us not so little ones who we have had the opportunity to nurture and watch grow even into adulthood. Lord, for those who have young families, will you remind those mothers of the joy and privilege it is to be their children's mother? Even in the times of tiredness and exhaustion, will you encourage them as they parent in an increasingly difficult world? Father, would you remind them of their responsibility to teach their children about you and to encourage them in this task? We pray for those who are yet to experience motherhood. For those waiting the arrival of their little ones, will you watch over and protect and bless these little ones and their families as they prepare for the new arrivals? We pray for those who would love to be mothers but have not yet been able. Those who are at this time reminded of their grief, will you comfort them, encourage them and bless them at this time? May they be able to rest in your peace, knowing your sovereignty and lordship in all circumstances. For many of us, we don't live near our mothers or our children aren't near us. Father, despite the distance, will you help us to find joy at this time as we ponder those relationships? Forgive us, Lord, where we've struggled as mothers at times and not turned to you, where we've tried to parent without you at the helm. Forgive us, Lord, where we've not been all that we should have been for our children. Help them to always know they are loved despite our own failings and imperfections as mothers. Thank you for our mothers and for the opportunity to celebrate the privilege we have of being their children. Lord, as we take a moment to pause and to think about our mothers, I pray for those who have strained or difficult relationships with their mothers. Lord, will you give your strength and courage to reach out and mend broken relationships? Will you show us how to love where we have not, where we have not felt loved at times? Will you teach us to forgive so that we may live in relationship with our own mothers the way you intended us to? to love them despite their failings, just as we would want to be loved despite ours. Lord, thank you for the opportunity you give us to ponder and think on the preciousness of all these mothers around us. Help us as a church family to always uplift and encourage, to always be willing to help where needed, bless where required, listen where necessary, and to be prayerful whenever God brings people to mind. In Jesus' name we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. Well, as you can see, this is a, a little different to what we normally do on a, on a Sunday morning. But we hope that uh, this morning is going to be a, a time of encouragement and uh, probably, hopefully, a time of challenge. We're a bit fearful about this, actually, because uh, we've got the task of talking about the family, uh, talking about what it means to, to uh, bring up a godly family. But uh, before we do that, just an announcement that John... Once again, forgot to announce. So, we're going to do it again. Out the back here, after, after the service, there's a, a Photoshop type thing. So you can have photos with your mums. Uh, Emma Neal has been uh, wonderfully kind in setting that up. So grab your mums and have a photo at the, at the back there with your mums and, or their families or whatever you want to do. Just, um, it's just something nice to do on, on this day. You know, we thought um, to, we'd take this uh, week away from our studies in John just to 
provide some instruction and some encouragement to all of you. Uh, encouragement for predominantly families within Canterbury Gardens. Because, um, you know what, at the conclusion of every service, when we, we mingle together and we have some fellowship time, uh, quite often uh, parents come up to the pastoral staff or to anybody and they have this burning question on their heart. How do we parent our children? And uh, as I think about that question, that's probably not really the question. The, the question probably is... Um, hey, can you take our children for a little while? We've just had enough. You know, because parenting is not an easy thing. It's a, it's a tough thing. And, uh, you know, no matter what stage you are in life, whether you don't have children yet, whether you have little ones, whether you're at our stage in life where we have adult children, whether you want to get married and have children, or whether you're grandparents, uh, this is a, a pretty important thing to ask. So how do we continually parent our kids? So this morning Julie and I are going to share. Uh, we're going to share some of the things that the Lord has impressed upon our heart. Uh, this by no means is uh, conclusive and the, the end word on it all. We're just sharing thoughts of, of our experience and we really want to consider how do we um, parent in this postmodern culture. Because today's age is different. There are different challenges. Just like in any age, in any generation, there are different challenges. And there are different cultural pressures, as we see in the media each week. And so what should we as Christians be impressing upon our families? Uh, what's the ethos? What's the the heritage that we want to pass on. So how this is going to work, I'm going to teach a little bit from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and then Judy's going to interject and say you're a heretic <laughs> and, um, and give us the real answers. So we're going to just uh, bounce off one a little bit and uh, provide some practical application uh, to what Deuteronomy chapter 6. You know, there are three things really as we look at this text that are going to be important. These three things are to know who God is, to love God, and to teach your children. It's pretty simple. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and we'll read the text. Just a little bit of background about Deuteronomy. This is Moses' farewell sermon to the people of Israel they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They were a disobedient and rebellious people that had been redeemed. And Moses, in his parting speech, penned Deuteronomy. So for those of you who complained about long sermons, just have a think about how long this sermon took. 30-odd <laughs> chapters. But he wanted to impress upon uh, on the children of Israel some really vitally important things. And at the, the heart of what he wanted to impress is this, this portion of Scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. So we'll read this together. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, 
you and your son and your son's son by keeping all the statutes and the commandments which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may uh, multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So as you break up this particular instruction, one of the first things that you hear is Moses' heart as he's talking to the people and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In the context uh, that this was originally spoken, this command to hear, which is the famous Hebrew word, which some of you may know as Shema, and the, or Shema. And uh, this particular portion of scripture by Orthodox Jews today is always referred to as the Shema. They actually write this little particular verse out, these verses out, and they nail it to their doorposts of their homes as a command. But the key of the command here is to hear Hear means to imply to listen closely. Because this was to be repeated often. And when you listen closely, to listen closely to something, the purpose of listening closely is obedience. So hear, hear O Israel, the Lord is Lord your God, the Lord is one. To hear is to obey. And it's all about knowing who your God is. There are two truths that Moses wanted to really impress upon these people as they were moving into a new land. That Yahweh, their God, is unique and he's like no other gods. Remember the Israelites came from a society of multiple gods. They, they had spent 430 years in the land of Egypt. And now they were demanded, because of their redemption, to be understanding afresh that Yahweh is the only God. He is Lord of all. He's one in essence and one in harmony. You see, that's no different to you and I as Christians in the 21st century. Yeah, sure, we're not entering into the promised land. Who thinks Australia is the promised land? Oh, Gillian thinks Australia is the promised <laughs> land. You need to get out, Gillian. You really do. You need to get around. Go visit New Zealand. <laughs> but, you know, Australia is not the promised land. But as Christians, as people who have put our faith and trust in Christ, the command still applies. We need to know that God is our Lord 
and our Saviour. In New Testament terms, we put it in the, in the Trinitarian model. We need to know the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that they are one. And each part of, of the, the Trinity, each person in the Trinity, acts in unity and harmony for our salvation. The Father sends the Son. The Son dies on a cross for your and our sin, your and my sin. And the Spirit regenerates the believer. The Lord is one. The Lord is our God and Christ is our King. Hear, O Christian, that the Lord is our God and Christ is our King. When you say those things, you're acknowledging several things. We acknowledge his presence is continually with us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You as a believer, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, God's presence is with you. Because his spirit dwells within you. Remember that in parenting. <laughs> but sometimes that's the only thing you have to hold on to. <laughs> God's spirit dwells within you He's shaping and refining you The Lord is unique He has the right to rule over the believer He actually has the right to rule over all humanity and he does We seek his will. We endeavour by the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in his ways, to keep in step with the Spirit. No matter what your circumstance in life, in times of great blessing and prosperity and also in times of great difficulty, we need to be reminded and we need to be affirming who God is. God and God alone. Hero Christian, the Lord is one. He is Lord of the universe. And by hearing and repeating that continuously, you're affirming that your confidence as a Christian parent, with a single parent or in a marriage relationship or as a grandparent, you are affirming that your confidence is in God and God alone. This is fundamental to who we are as we follow Christ. Who is your confidence in? Is it in God and God alone? So, hun, how in everyday context do we display this? How do we display that God is our Lord? Well, first of all, I, I just want to give a little bit of context to Nathan, my life. We have been parents for over 25 years now. We have a 21, 23, and 25-year-old. So for those of you who don't know us, we've been doing parenting for a little while. Um, we're not perfect, and we've failed many times. Feels like 55 years. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a long time, but... Um, the reality is that in all of those years, we have... Uh, walked with God through our parenting. God has walked with us. His presence has been with us. His guidance has been with us. And so um, it's just um, one particular area that I'll just mention this morning that is common to all of us, and that is our financial situations. 
Um, for some of us, it's financial hardship. For others, it's financial prosperity. But how, um, in either situation, can we teach our children that God is with us in both situations? And so um, my mind went um, initially to a prayer of David's in First Chronicles 29. And the context of that passage is that David was preparing for his son Solomon to build the, the temple, the temple of God. And he was bringing together all the, the wealth and the materials that would be needed to build that temple. And I love the heart of David. I love the fact that David didn't um, think that that wealth had come from him or from his people. But in his prayer, he acknowledged it came from the Lord. He said, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all, and in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And David prayed this prayer in the presence of the nation of Israel. And I think as parents, how often do we forget to be reminded of where our wealth comes from and to teach our children that principle, that everything we have comes from the Lord and to um, make that relevant in our kids' lives. So often our kids can can gain things and possessions and, and, and have life easy. And we as parents can so easily forget to remind them and to teach ourselves as well uh, where everything comes from. Just on that, hun, like, that's, a, that's a wonderful principle. Just moving down there a little bit further before I know you're going to talk about what it means when there is great need. You see, by being thankful for all that the Lord gives you, by understanding that everything comes from his hand, one of the really practical applications from that, and you're giving thanks often to God, is that your child no longer is the centerpiece of your family. And I think it's a really important principle to realize. You know, God has given parents to children. Parents have authority over children. That's the biblical worldview. And so often that is being skewed in today's environment, today's world. So that's part of it, you know, that's part of that, that, that showing that everything comes from the hand of the Lord sets up an authority structure that, um, that appeals to the fact that parents are authority over their children and are there to shepherd their family. Now, I think it's a really important principle, but, but yeah, share, share further. So what about in times of uh, great need? Yeah. <clears throat> so there are times in our lives when financial difficulties can hit us, where an income may be lost or a debt needs to be paid or, yeah, you find your finances aren't where they 
should be or used to be or overspending or whatever, what then are you teaching your children? Are you learning at the same time to acknowledge that God is still there, his presence is still with you, and that in those lean times you do not need to fear or be anxious because our Heavenly Father knows what we need. And my mind went to Matthew chapter 6, and I think it's a fairly familiar um, passage where... um, uh, Matthew is teaching, uh, writing down that the the birds of the air are well looked after, the lilies of the field are clothed beautifully, and even Solomon in all his glory did not even look as grand as these. And if God clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Um, and I guess the principle of, of this passage is that um, in lean times, it's so easy to to think that God is not there and to fear. And Nathan and I have experienced those times in our own marriage. And they're the times when we have drawn our family together and reminded them that our Heavenly Father does care for us. If he cares for the birds and the lilies of the field, how much more does he care for us? And there's a great verse in there in verse 33 that says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Our Heavenly Father knows that we need them. And so, again, what are we teaching our children and our grandchildren in those times? Are we teaching them that God will supply our needs and that um, we we, we don't need to worry or fear, but our confidence is in our God? So really what you're saying, hon, is that it's not your circumstances that dictate mm. who God is. Mm. Yeah. 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 So God is God, and He's He's His promises are true. Mm. You know, in our lives, our circumstances change; they, they they go back and forward. But as Christian parents, our responsibility is to make much of who God is. Make much of who He is. Just um, one practical way that we did that as a family, and I may have mentioned it here before in this church, but, you know, in those lean times, it's so easy to think that God doesn't care or love us. And one thing we practiced as a family, that we would have a little cane basket on our bench with some blank pieces of paper and some pens and pencils. And we encouraged our children, and we did it ourselves, where we, throughout the week, wrote down the blessings of God or the things that we could be thankful for, and we placed them in that basket. And every Sunday, we would get together as a family, and we'd go around the circle, and we'd read those things. The kids didn't be. like it at first. They thought, what are, <laughs> thought you, it was what are we doing? Gimmicky. Yeah, they thought, what are you doing? But, but it, it transformed yeah. our hearts. It made us realize the blessings that were ours in Christ and the richness of our week and what God had blessed us with and how we could be thankful, and it really transformed our hearts. So that was just one practical way that we practice that as a family. So we move on in Deuteronomy and we come to the next verse. So the first verse, as we said, you need to know God, you need to know who he is, you need to know his promises. And pass those on. We'll get to that actually. But secondly, it's about your personal relationship with God because Moses gives this instruction. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. He's in this essence saying personally... You need to love the Lord with everything in your being. 
You need to love him fervently. Why? Because of all he has done for us. Vividly reminded of that this morning, haven't we, as every time we take communion, we think about the cross of Christ. Greater love hath no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. So the instruction that Moses gives back here to, to a people is to love. It's not partially. Please notice that as you read the, the word, you shall love the Lord your God when you feel like it. It's with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's interesting because the, the Hebrew word for heart is different to the way we view that today. You know, heart, we sort of, it's the emotional side of us, right? That's, that's what the, the world tells us. In modern thought, it's all about our emotions. It's a seed of emotions. But for the Jewish people in this time, the word heart was the, the essence of your intellect, the essence of your will. That was the heart. It was the essence of your intellect, of your will. It was the equivalent to the, the, the mind or the, or the rational part of, of human beings. As we see in, in Zechariah 8.17, we have this particular uh, command. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor, says the Lord. So the heart for the Hebrew is a, is a thinking thing. It's the, the uh, intellect and will. And that's probably why Jesus said, right? What did Jesus say in Mark? He repeated this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your Mind and with all your strength. So he put those two things together. The soul, that's the invisible part of the person, which includes the will. And then love with all your might or strength. It's not describing uh, so much a person's physical power or his, but as to the intensity in which you love. God wants earnestness in a person's faith. He desires that we not merely possess a faith, but that our faith should possess us. A great example of this is King Josiah. When he got introduced to the law of God, he didn't know what the law was until they found it in the temple, and then he, he just was so zealous towards keeping the law. You see, spiritual zeal above all is personal. You know, God's commandments aren't to be treated as a, a list of rules or of acts that we perform. But they'll be, they are a description of who we are. We love because God first loved us. We show compassion, we show love, we show peace, we show long-suffering, we show kindness, we show patience because the fruit of the Spirit is working those things in our lives. It's a response to what God has done. Now for us who regard the Old Testament as nothing but a collection of rules have, have missed the point of it. As we started in, in John's Gospel uh, a few weeks ago, we, we saw that the law itself is a gracious gift of God. And God's covenant people, God's covenant 
with Israel here was not to be merely enforced externally. It was always to be based on a heart response. So this is about your personal life. This is, we've talked about know who God is, but this is about loving God with all your heart, soul and mind. So Jules, in the busyness of growing a family, where do you find time to do that? I think we all come up with our excuses, don't we? Um, But this morning, I really want to appeal to you mothers. (laughs) As a fellow mother, I want to remind you of the absolute vitalness of spending time with the Lord. Now, for each of us, that will look differently because everyone's in different seasons of life. But ladies, stop using those excuses because I can assure you that when you take time to spend with the Lord then you will be able to love your husband and your children far greater Amen to that (laughs) because unless you are in the word of God and learning for yourself and refreshing your heart daily you won't be able to pass on the truth of the Lord. And I just wrote down some things that I get when I am spending time with the Lord. I gain perspective. I gain wisdom. I gain encouragement. And don't we need that? And I gain guidance. And when I have those things in my life, then I can pass them on to my children. And to the rest of you. <laughs> Spend time in God's word because then the things that you learn, they'll be fresh in your, in your heart. They'll be coming out of your mouth. And I can tell you just about every situation in life, you can be passing on the truth of God's word and an encouragement to others. Man, you're not let off the hook here. I know Jules is speaking to uh, women primarily. The same thing for men. It will... You'll gain perspective, you'll gain wisdom, you'll gain encouragement, you'll gain guidance. How is your walk? How is your personal walk with the Lord? It's vital because as your personal walk grows, you'll understand that who you are before the Lord. It'll help you in your leadership of your home, leadership of your family, leadership in your work environment, wherever it may be. Don't don't sort of... uh, take away your responsibility as a unit we need to be doing this as a married married couple our primary focus is our relationship with the Lord any more you want to say on that? Um, I guess the wonderful thing is God doesn't care how you do that (laughs) you know take one verse and meditate on it um Put your verse on the fridge, on in the car, teach it to your kids, um, whatever it takes. Read a, a godly book. I've got a few up here. Um, but, you know, listen to a sermon. Use that downtime. I remember very often uh, waiting for my kids outside the school gate in the car. And as most mums know, you want to get there relatively early so you get a good park. And I used to have some downtime then. And I took God's word with me and I used to read it and um, study it then so you know you can find the time um, stop giving all those excuses <laughs> thanks finally 
In uh, verse 7 of Deuteronomy 6, we have this. This is the result of knowing God and loving God. You shall teach them diligently uh, to your children. We're talking about the commands here. And shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Beautiful word here, you shall teach them diligently. That word diligently could also be uh, translated, impress them upon your children. I like that word. It's, it's got the meaning of sharpening of a knife on a stone. Have you seen, seen anyone sharpen a knife on a stone? Some may do it. Uh, it's also got the idea of uh, etching or inscribing upon something with an indelible sharpness and precision. So that's what Moses is, is, is crying out here. He says, hey, you need to be constantly, constantly talking about these things with your children. It is your primary responsibility. It's your mission field, if you like. You see, when, when Moses wrote this thing, he knew nothing of the modern foolishness that I think we, we can uh, step into that suggests that we can share our faith uh, and our faith should be presented in an atmosphere of neutrality and that our children uh, be presented with the options. That's just straight foolishness. Your responsibility as godly parents is to teach your kids about God. You can't save them, but you, you can definitely show them the way of salvation. You know, the biblical perspective on training our children insists that, firstly, our kids are already on a slippery slope. All right? I don't want to bust your, bur- bust your bubble here, but your kids are on a slippery slope. <laughs> yeah. Who said amen? <laughs> oh, Pete. <laughs> They're on a slippery slope. And it's your responsibility as, as parents to provide a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview. Because if you don't, if their direction remains unchecked, you're going to have a disaster on your hands. Wise parents give their children the added benefit of hearing the truth from the very beginning. From the very beginning. That's why it says there's so many opportunities to to talk to your kids about these things. Look at the, the, there's no moment of the day you can't talk to them according to this verse. You know, whether it's uh, formal, talk about them, or informal when you're you're, um, walking along the road or whether it's late at night when they're ready to lie down or early in the morning when they get up. I know it'd be infuriating for your kids if you know, old mum sort of shakes them awake and, joy to the world! <laughs> you know. But the principle here is that we, we need to be consistently talking to our kids about God's love and grace. Consistently saying them truth. Consistently giving them boundaries. That's a loving thing to do. You give them boundaries, especially your young adult children. Give them plenty of boundaries. <laughs> no, it's too late by then, folks. If you haven't given them boundaries by then, they won't have wisdom to do life. 
starts at an early age. And realise also, it is a work of faith because many times you're dealing with kids who don't know the Lord, right? No matter how beautiful you think your kids are, they're unregenerate. They're separated from a holy God. It's not until the Lord opens their heart that faith will, will blossom. So, hun, how intentional were we in our training? What are, what are some of the difficulties that we had? You know. Well, I I encourage you, um, young parents, parents of young children, <laughs> to continue to invest somewhat of a formal time teaching them the Word of God. Let it come from you um, primarily. I remember um, for years we did family devotions. Uh, Nate used to be out of um, town on business quite a lot, and so I took that responsibility as um, as the mother of the home, and uh, we would have family devotions and... Even, long family devotions. Well, this long, is the joke long, in the long, family long, that long family I used devotions. to go on so long that they'd be late for school. Can you imagine me making my kids late for school? No. Yeah. <laughs> I we, used to, we used to go up at 5.30, though, to have these devotions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. The other thing was um, the dog became a tool of Satan because she thought it was all about her because we were all in a circle and we were watching her and she was playing the toys. So there was a few distractions at times. But the encouraging thing is that my kids do joke about it today. But the reality is they know, even if they don't remember a single thing that I taught them, that the intention of Nathan, my heart, was to teach them God's word and teach them the principles of God's word. And so even if they don't remember anything I said, they certainly know that we love God's word and that we we shared it often. But there were many times we would share God's word in an informal situation, many times. And I wish I had written all those times down because there are every single day opportunities. And there were times when we had good times as a family. We used to ski together up on the mountains. What a great opportunity to talk about some of the Psalms and um, the glory of um, creation and how God has made the mountain, you know, just things like that. There were difficult times when um, the kids lost their grandfather and we talked about what death meant. There were times when um, our son went through major heart surgery and he questioned why he couldn't play sport. And we sat and talked to him about, we happened to be doing a study on Joseph at the time and how life isn't always fair. And so we taught principles like that. But there were also times in my kids' lives where they actually didn't want to hear God's word. They didn't want to hear me talk about the Lord Jesus. And you know what? As a mother, I wisely stepped back in those times. And instead of speaking to them, they knew what I was going to say. They want to hear it. But I used to show them unconditional love anyway. They were really tough times. They were the times going back where I had to stay close to the Lord. Mm. He was my comfort. He was my rock. And even when my kids were in rebellion, um, I stayed true to what I knew, but I also just showed them unconditional love and showed them by my life that God's word was my compass, my 
um, my map for life. I remember at those times we had to, had to pray earnestly, Lord, give us a love for our kids. Because the things they were doing were just, you know, completely antithetical to what we, we had taught. And they're tough times. They are really tough times, but as Jules said, you've got to cling to the, the rock, cling to Christ. Pour your burdens upon him because he makes, makes uh, light of those things on your behalf. Anything else that you want to share? Um. I'll share a few things just before we go. Just, um, you know, this teaching your children, uh, and it's a, it's a vital principle today, especially. You've got kids coming home from school questioning gender, questioning sexuality, questioning marriage. Where are they going to learn a biblical worldview unless it's going to be at home? Folks, we need to be really clear around that as followers of Christ, what the Word of God teaches us about those things. We need to understand that uh, we live in a society that is increasingly trying to take away our voice. We've had that this week, the last two weeks, with um, a certain sportsman. But the principle for us is what are we teaching our children about that? Are our kids confused about these things? They shouldn't be. We should be very clear. And, and that's where we as a pastoral team would love to serve you, to help you. If you've got questions about that, we can... Um, or other... Look, I, I would love to see this community. I look at the, around us. We've got years of experience, middle and back. That's where all the old folks tend to sit. Like Rod Harvey down there, he's he's got years of experience. But touch base with some of these folks, these grandparents amongst us, your younger families, and glean from them. Say, how do you consistently do this? And and maybe you, you form a relationship where you're praying for one another. That would be wonderful to see. That's what body community is like. That's what being in a community of followers of Christ is like. That's how it's designed. That we sharpen one another. That we move away from our own self-centeredness and we serve one another in love. Some other tools. We've got some books. Men, if you haven't read it, you must read it. Disciplines of a Godly Man. Ken Hughes. You need to read this book. It's not the Bible, but it talks about the Bible. And it'll give you some wonderful keys. And then when you finish reading that, grab your wife and read this one. Don't, don't ever give this one to your wife. <laughs> Just a warning. Never give this one to your wife, all right? Because then, then she'll read it and then she'll look at you and say, what? What's going on? Grab this one. Disciplines of a Godly Family by Kent and Barbara Hughes. Really good starting point to get some practical application. It talks about knowing God. It talks about loving God. It talks about teaching your children. Um, 
Oh, this one's a good one, eh? <laughs> the heart of anger. <laughs> I just love that photo on the front of that. This is all about dealing with kids that have a really angry heart. Give some biblical principles. By the way, if you want any of these books, come and tell us, and as a church, we'll, we'll arrange for it to come in. You know, if there's enough need, we could run a study on that one. Another one for everybody, resolving everyday conflict. That's good for your own marriages as well as parents. This one here is a classic, shepherding a child's heart. You are shepherds of your children. You protect them, you tenderly care for them, you teach them, you instruct them. Another good one. Oh, you might want to talk about that one, so I know nothing about that one. <laughs> um, I encourage uh, the woman of the church to read Loving God with All Your Mind by Elizabeth George. A few Americanisms in there, but very good for um, yeah, the discipline of letting your mind know what God's will is and then allowing your feelings and your faith to follow. Very good book. And finally, another one which is just new off the shelf. This is a... Uh, a book that was written last year. Shepherding your sons to be men of God, raising men, not boys. So if you've got a 30-year-old something still at home, <laughs> come and see me. <laughs> this, this, is a, this is an issue in our society. Raising men, not boys. All right? So that's another great one. And once again, if there's a bunch of blokes who want to get together and do this one, happy to do it. 6.30 in the morning's fine. Let us know. All right, so that's just a few musings from a, a couple who hopefully have been shaped by God's word and, and just want to pass on some things that are, are really important. You need to know God. You need to love God. And you need to be consistently discipling and teaching your children. Whether they're little ones, whether they're teenagers, whether they're adults and married. That's the, that's the, the, the goal before us. So I don't think we'll have the final song if that's okay. We'll just pray. If there's any questions, at the, just come and see us. That'd be fine. Um, let's stand and pray together. Eh? Let's, let's do that. Father, we um, do thank you. We thank you for the clear instruction from your word. We thank you as uh, uh, you don't leave us alone. You empower us by your spirit. And Father, our desire is to know you more, to be captured by your grace, to be enraptured and consistently seeking to love you with our whole heart, mind, and spirit, and soul. Father, it's not an easy thing in the, in the buzz of this world to do. I pray for the parents in, in this auditorium, that by your spirit you'll convict us where we need to be convicted, and you'll strengthen us where we need to be strengthened. Encourage us to, to teach our children the things which are contained in your word. 
to remind our kids often of the great and precious promises of the gospel, of the fact that your gracious hand is is available to all those who put faith and trust in Christ. Father, help us as parents to be wise in our parenting, to realize the authority that you have given us to parent our children. Father, this is a a daunting task, but you've put us in a community. You've placed us in a community with many years of experience. Help us to interact with one another this day so that together we can be known as a people who love you, who serve you, and who pass on a biblical worldview. We pray these things now in the powerful name of Christ our Saviour. Amen.